Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. So that's Psalm 28. To you I call, O Lord, my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I shall be like those who have gone down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy, as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands towards your most holy place. Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, who speak cordially with their neighbours, but harbour malice in their hearts. Repay them for their deeds and for their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done and bring back upon them what they deserve. Since they show no regard for the works of the Lord and what his hands have done, he will tear them down and never build them up again. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy, and I will give thanks to him in song. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. We call to you, O Lord, our rock. Those wonderful words ringing in our ears that Jesus is our life. We pray this evening that you would help us to hear his voice. We pray that as we come to this psalm, we would understand what it means. Help me to speak clearly. Pray that you would help us to believe it and to be changed by it. Give us open ears and hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Barcelona, Finland, Charlottesville, Newcastle. We've been praying already, haven't we, about evil in the world in the last week in the news that weighs down our hearts as we hear about it. And then, of course, there are the unreported stories Uh, Release International estimates that um, just around 200 million Christians in over 60 countries are denied basic human rights because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Some of them face uh, imprisonment and torture. How do we respond to the weight of human evil and injustice in our world? How should we pray as God's people when we turn on our phones and open up the news app and read of another Barcelona, Charlottesville, Newcastle? How should we respond to the personal experience of human evil, the the hostility that we might face for following the Lord Jesus, the the mockery, the, um, the hard thing that happens at the hands of someone else? And what should we pray? 
They're realities that make the heart sink. And they're realities that King David, who wrote Psalm 28, knew well. King David was familiar with evil, with opposition and hostility. As God's chosen king, David was something of a lightning conductor for opposition towards God in the world. And so he faced all manner of opposition and hostility. We need to think only of uh, time spent on the run from King Saul, who was after his life. We need to think only of um, the rebellion of his own son against his rule and the threat that that represented. He was a man who knew what it was to face armies and to face evil and darkness in the world. And, And here in Psalm 28, we join him in the temple... Uh, It's in the middle of this little series of psalms in the temple, and we join him as he prays to the Lord in the face of opposition and hostility and evil. Uh, And he's going to show us not everything, but something of the priorities of the believer at prayer in the face of these things. Uh, The first thing we see in this psalm, the first two verses, verses one and two, is a cry for mercy, a cry for mercy. Uh, Look down at verse one with me. To you I call, O Lord, my rock, do not turn a deaf ear to me, for if you remain silent, I shall be like those who've gone down to the pit. Don't miss this as we start the psalm, that David is crying out, to the Lord, the God of the Bible. In the face of um, hostility, of opposition, and of evil, he cries out to God. We often cry out to other people. Why doesn't the government do more? Where were the police? Where were the aid agencies? Why do these things keep happening? Perhaps we cry out about God to other people. Where was God when that happened? But David, the believer, cries out to God in prayer in the face of evil. It's a prayer of trust. Verse one, O Lord, my rock. Uh, The the rock, an image of um, a God who is dependable, a God who keeps me safe. Uh, This is the the boulder that I can hide on top of. You know, think of the, um, the tour in the Peak District where you can be up safe on the rocks. And it's a prayer of urgency. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. If you remain silent... I'll be like those who go down to the pit. When we open the BBC News app, when we hear that news story on the radio and it weighs on our hearts, are we a people who pray as David did? Uh, When we face hostility for being Christians, when we see personal evil in the world, uh, do we retreat or do we pray? David cries out to the Lord But I think the big surprise at the beginning of this psalm is not so much the fact that he cries out to the Lord, but what he prays in the opening two verses. Uh, Just look again. If you remain silent, I shall be like those who have gone down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands towards your most holy place. And then the beginning of verse three, do not drag me away with the wicked. 
uh, the pit there in verse one. The pit is um, uh, in the Psalms. It's, it's a word for the grave. You know, it's the dark hole in the ground where the dead body is put. But it's also a picture, not only of death, but of spiritual death. The place of darkness away from God and in the place of the dead. The place as far from God's presence as you can be in darkness. And David prays that he doesn't want to be, to be there. He prays for mercy. Um, he, he lifts up his hands. Um, that, um, in the temple, that would mean praying towards your most holy place. Now, in the temple, there was sort of um, a, a room down the end, which was the most holy place, the place where God dwelt. And in the most holy place was, was the mercy seat, the place where the blood of sacrifice would be put so that sinful people could know a relationship with a holy God. And you see, David says that he lifts up his hands, he prays towards the place of God's mercy towards the most holy place. His call for help in the face of evil, in the face of opposition, is a call for personal mercy. Isn't that remarkable? Is that not a remarkable thing, that David's prayer in the face of hostility isn't outward-looking first, but upward-looking? He prays to God not to give him what he deserves. Verse three, not to drag him away with the wicked. See, how easy is it to, um, to read the news, to hear the news, and to be weighed down by the evil that is out there and to gloss over the evil that's in here? And yet, when disaster comes in the world, it's like a megaphone to us to examine our consciences and to see that we're not pure people either. Uh, Of course, it's not that anyone here is guilty of the sort of terrible crimes that we've talked about, at least not that I know about, but who amongst us could claim to be perfectly good? Uh, Who amongst us could claim to be pure and holy and able to stand in God's most holy place without crying out to him for mercy. When disaster comes, when we see great evil, it's like a megaphone crying out to our conscience to examine our hearts. Am I ready to stand before the holy God? Yes, people lose their lives, but am I ready to lose mine. I may not be um, I not may not be guilty of the sort of terrible crimes that we see on the news, but but Jesus said that the seed of murder is anger in the human heart. And let's be honest with one another, you and I. Who here has never been furious with someone? And Jesus said that the seed of all kinds of um, sexual perversion is lust in the human heart. And let's be honest with one another, you and I, who here hasn't looked lustfully? And David cries, first and foremost, to get what he does not deserve. 
He cries for personal mercy. Uh, How often we look at um, evil in the world and disaster and we think, I'm basically a good person. I deserve a comfortable life and I can't believe this would happen in this world. When the Bible says we're people who need mercy and deserve little but God's judgment. Uh, Let me read you some words um, from the great 19th century uh, Bishop of Liverpool, J.C. Ryle, uh, as he he explores this point. He says this, uh, the state of our own souls should always be our first concern. It's eminently true that real Christianity will always begin at home. The converted man will always think first of his own heart, his own life, his own deserts, and yes, his own sins. Does he hear of a sudden death? He will say to himself, should I have been found ready if this had happened to me? Does he hear of some awful crime or deed of wickedness? He will say to himself, are my sins forgiven? And have I repented of my own transgressions? Does he hear of worldly men running into every excess of sin? He will say to himself, who has made me to differ? What has kept me from walking in the same road except the free grace of God. May we ever seek to be men and women of this frame of mind. You see, David's first prayer, when he sees evil and opposition and hostility, is a prayer, a cry for mercy on his own soul. And I wonder, have we asked God to forgive us? Uh, When we open up the news app, do we ask God to forgive us, even as our hearts are weighed down by what we see there? A cry for mercy. But then secondly, a call for justice. Uh, Verses three to five, a call for justice. Um, Turn to verse four with me for a moment. David prays, repay them for their deeds and for their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done and bring back upon them what they deserve. Since they show no regard for the works of the Lord and what his hands have done, he will tear them down and never build them up again. Uh, Now, I'm aware that this um, this is the sort of prayer in the Psalms, isn't it, that can make us feel quite uncomfortable You know, of all the prayers in the Psalms, the one you're least likely to find on a sort of calendar next to a picture of a waterfall is one of the ones that prays for God's judgment. You know, we think, is this this okay? It makes me feel uncomfortable. But notice that in verse four, it is a prayer for strict justice. The picture of verse four is a picture of someone being repaid for exactly what they've earned for someone getting exactly what they deserve. Uh, This isn't a prayer for something disproportionate. It's a prayer for justice in our world. And I think that that's something that we long for, isn't it? We long for justice. I think for a moment about the fact that God loves everyone in the world. Think for a moment about what that means Has anyone ever deliberately hurt someone that you love? And how did you feel about it? 
Uh, I was thinking about the sort of the age group of people here, um, and I'm not quite sure how we cut the cake here at Fullwood Church, but um, uh, in a previous church that I was a part of, um, uh, really people would start coming to the evening service when they were about 14 years old. Um, I, I, don't know, um, I don't know who gets to make that decision, but at some point, parents had got together and said, 14 is the sort of age where we can trust them to leave home in the evening without us and go to church. Um, and generally, the, the 12, 13-year-olds weren't there. Now, now, look. The news story in Newcastle from this week was about a group of men who targeted... 13-year-old girls who had no family to look after them and who took them and who used them terribly. And do our hearts not cry for justice when we read that sort of story? Why do we see that story in the paper and think, yes, that needed to happen. Those men needed to be taken to court. Our hearts cry for justice. Think about the fact that God loves those girls. And David prays for justice. Repay them for their deeds and for their evil work. And he prays um, with confidence in verse 5 that justice will be done. But notice the justice he prays for, it's an extensive justice. So verse 3 He talks about those who speak cordially with their neighbours but harbour malice in their hearts. Uh, Here is a justice that doesn't just deal with the surface things, the things that are well known, the things that your friends and neighbours know about you. Uh, Here is a justice that gets under the skin and into the heart. Here is a justice that won't be stopped by lack of witnesses or years having passed or something like that. Here is a justice that will deal with people as they are. And the principle is there in verse 5. Not only that they've done evil works, but verse 5, they show no regard for the works of the Lord and what his hands have done. You see, the problem with our world is not merely the the wrong actions that people do, the evil things that happen, but the evil attitudes of human hearts that do not recognize the goodness of God's creation, that don't recognize that God loves the people that he's made, that don't recognize that God has put a king over us to show us how best to live, and so find it all too easy to look out for number one when we don't recognize the works of God, his goodness, and turn our backs on him, well, the world descends into a world where people get hurt. And it's a world that God will will tear down to bring his kingdom. Just in the face of um, the things that we read about in the news, and in the face of the evil that we see around us in the world, it's easy to despair. It's easy to lose heart. You know, I, I don't know about you, I'm one of those people who actually deletes the news app from my, um, from my iPad every now and again, because I'm just so depressed by what it says. And, and, and maybe you can share that, um, that feeling with me. It's easy to despair, but David is confident that no crime will go unpunished, that there'll be no dictator, no, um, no Jimmy Savile who escapes justice, but that God will fix our broken world 
Uh, David prays, your kingdom come, though that means tearing down all those who stand in opposition to God. I guess the question we need to ask is, do we care about justice like David does? Of course, the opposite of love is not anger, it's indifference. The opposite of love is, oh, I don't care. And here David prays that God would fix a broken world, that he would remove the evil from it, that he would pay it back all that it deserves. Well, okay, but here's the paradox. Here's the, um, here's the question that, um, that these two parts of Psalm 28 raise for us. Um, David prays for mercy, and David prays for justice. How can David pray for both? That's the question it raises. How can David acknowledge that he needs to be forgiven and yet long for the justice of God? Do do we not know both of those desires in our hearts? Um, We long to be forgiven the evil within. We, um, We long for justice and for the fixing of our world and the removing of evil. Well, and that brings us to the final section of our psalm in verses six to nine. And the last thing we see is a confidence in God's help. A confidence in God's help. Let's have a look at verse six with me. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I'm helped. My heart leaps for joy and I will give thanks to him in song. See, here is, um, here is King David confident, certain, that God has heard his prayer and will answer, uh, will answer it. In verse one, he prays, do not turn a deaf ear to me and, cry, and hear my cry for mercy. And in verse six, he says, he's heard my cry. Why is he so confident? Verse seven, the Lord is my strength and my shield. And for that reason, my heart trusts in him and I'm helped. Uh, Now that image, the Lord is my strength and my shield, um, it's an image that goes back to God's promise to Abraham. Uh, Maybe you know Genesis 15, um, where um, the Lord said to Abraham, I am your shield and your very great reward. Now, here was Abraham. He had great reason not to trust God's promise to him because um, he'd just been in Genesis 14 kind of tied up in military conflict. His, his brother-in-law had been kidnapped and he'd had to go after him and get him back. And, um, and so he's got all sorts of reasons to doubt. And the Lord said to him, I am your shield, your very great reward. See, God was saying, I will protect you and I will take you to what I've promised you. Uh, God had promised him blessing. Uh, he promised him really a picture of a restored creation without all of the evil that blights our world. And he'd promised him a great nation of those who would know God's blessing. And David says, because God, my God, is that God, the God who made that promise, he is my strength And my shield too. I can pray with confidence, yes, for justice, but for mercy, 
as one who doesn't deserve it. And the New Testament really fleshes out that promise to Abraham and shows us how God fulfills it. It shows us in a way that can give us a far greater confidence even than David knew. Uh, The book of Galatians, for example, talks about how God kept the promise to Abraham. It says God became man, he went to a cross, and he died so that the curse of God's justice would fall on him instead of on us so that we could know God's blessing and the certainty of being in God's promised place the place where all evil will have been removed. The blessing to Abraham, a God who is our strength and our shield, to all who trust him. Uh, I don't know, in the recent terrorist attacks, I don't know if you heard the story of Kelly Brewster Uh, There's no reason you would have done necessarily. Uh, She was just one among the many. Uh, But Kelly Brewster, 32-year-old woman, uh, was at the the concert with her 11-year-old niece and with her sister. And um, and she, um, as uh, as the bomb went off, she threw herself in front of them to shield them from the blast. And it was a heroic thing to do. And she died shielding them. And you see, this is what God did at the cross. Not, not some random attack he shielded us from, not some, some evil from outside or something like that, but his own, his own right anger at the way that we've treated him and other people. On the cross, he was our shield, the one who was strong for us so that we can pray with confidence that the God of great justice will be the God of mercy to us. His just judgment falling on the Lord Jesus Christ instead of us in our place. For all who trusts it, for all who trust in him and pray to him for mercy and for help. Well, we see the principle again in verses eight and nine. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. See, there's an interesting thing going on there in verse eight, isn't there? Because um, there's um, a confidence in the strength for the people, which is linked to salvation for the anointed one. The anointed one is a name for the king. Uh, Literally, Christ, king, means one who is anointed by God. And here we see that God's, God's being a fortress for the king is something that's enjoyed by the people. Uh, Again, the New Testament tells us when we trust Jesus, it's like we are in him, like he is our fortress. All the good things that Jesus deserves, the blessing of God, that new world free from evil, we get because all the judgment and the justice that we deserve, he took because we are connected to him, our king, and in him. And so David can pray, save your people and bless your inheritance. That promise of great blessing of a people knowing intimate relationship with God now and a future inheritance in the new creation. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. We can only call God our shepherd, the one who carries us, 
because that's what Jesus deserves. You and I don't deserve to be carried by God, but Jesus did. And we're in him. He is our strength and our shield. And so if we can say with David, God is my strength and my shield, that Jesus is my shield, my fortress, or we can pray with confidence that God will indeed hold every sin accountable, but also with confidence that God will forgive the sinner who trusts him who turns to him and cries for mercy. And we can cry for both of these things. We can cry that people would know the mercy and free forgiveness of God. And we can cry that God's justice would be done, that our world would be fixed and all that is wrong with it would be sent far, far away. Well, look, as I close, three very quick applications for us. Uh, The first one is this, Um, God's mercy means that there is a deliberate delay to his justice. Uh, His mercy means there's a deliberate delay to his justice. Uh, In order to keep that promise to Abraham of blessing to the world, in order to have people who cry, the Lord is my strength and my shield, uh, God is holding back his justice for that day. Typically as believers we cry, how long, O Lord? Uh, The Apostle Peter tells us, 2 Peter 3 verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Just think for a moment, if you're a Christian here tonight, think of the day that you became a Christian. Aren't you glad that God held off his judgment until after that day? There's a deliberate delay to his justice. Uh, Secondly, um, God's word builds our confidence. You see, here is David who cries out for God not to remain silent and then hears from God and finds confidence. But it's not some new word, but the promise that he already had in the Bible. You know, if we're rocked by evil, if we face opposition and hostility... We don't need a new word. We need to go back to the promises we already have to see that the Lord is our strength and our shield. Go back to the cross where we see the justice and mercy of God meet. God's word builds our confidence. Uh, But then finally, God's ears are open to our prayers. God's ears are open to the prayers of his people. It might be that you're here this evening and you've never prayed with David, Lord, have mercy, forgive me. And if that's you, you can be assured that if you pray that and mean it, God's ears are open. He will not be deaf to that cry. Uh, Maybe you're here tonight and you know what it is to just feel weighed down by what you read about, what you hear about in the news. God's ears are open to your cry. David prayed for mercy and for justice and he prayed with confidence in God's help. Will we be found a praying people? Let me pray now before we come to sing again.
Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy and I will give thanks to him in song. Our Lord God, we thank you that you are a God of infinite justice, that there is no evil in this world that will go unpunished, and yet a God overflowing with grace and mercy, a God who shields all those who trust in him from your judgment, who takes it on himself at the cross. We pray that we might be found a praying people, a people longing to see your mercy and justice at work, that your kingdom might come in our world. And we trust you even this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.